0: Welcome back to the Heal the Hurt podcast. On today's show, we're going to be talking about why the most successful people on this planet are also the most self-deceived, and they're the highest level of denial. Sounds shocking, but it's true, and you're going to discover why that is and where it comes from. Now, if you're not aware, this is part two of a three-part series where I'm talking about self-deception, and luckily for us... I was able to convince my former therapist, now mentor, colleague, and really great friend, Mike Pinkston, who's an expert in all of these dynamics. So if you've gained benefit from anything that I talk about, much of what I learned came from Mike. He is a gifted. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Teacher, one of the greatest teachers that nobody knows about because his greatest skill is behind the camera, but I'm, I'm coaxing him out. So... If you want to discover more about this conversation, I urge you, go back to my last show, and that one was how we blame others to feel more powerful. That's the first part of this conversation. Again, I've broken this nearly two-hour conversation into three parts. This is part two, and then I'm going to release the full uninterrupted version for you. But Go back and check out that first one, and you'll see we stopped midstream as we were talking about covert messaging which really is how we hide all these different perfect imperfections. And so people are unaware that the most successful are also, you know, the most highly deceived. And in that transition, you'll be able to understand it a little bit better. But this was a great clean spot because from here, we move into these deeper areas of this aspect of self-deception. So I really think it's going to help you because self-deception is really the cornerstone and at the heart of everybody's personal struggles. And so the more we can learn about this and how we're deceiving ourselves, because as, as I pointed out in that first show, studies show that between 10 and 200 times a day, we're lying to ourselves. I know that sounds shocking, but it's true. That's And we're so unaware of how we're doing that, that's why this is critical because if we can't see how we're deceiving ourselves, how would we ever know how to heal? How do we know what's truth or not? So enjoy part two here. make sure you you know sit on your calendar to catch part three and as you dive into this self-deception journey as always,
1: enjoy the journey. And, and the problem with even talking about the kind of stuff we're talking about is that these messages are are covert and their implied messages, uh, and I learned a long time ago that implied messages are more powerful than, um, you know, the overt
0: message. Um, Give some examples of covert messaging going on right now that people can recognize as deceptive, you know, so they can go, oh,
1: what would be some examples of that? Well, well, I mean, the illustration I gave that probably wasn't a very good one, but, um, you know, it it's it's how do how do we adapt to these situations? All right, and so so going with with you know the the person who goes from um, you know being discounted and misunderstood to the person who now I'm in charge and I'm going to run. Uh, the messages that that really tend to impact us are the messages that we have power that we don't have. Uh, and you know, one of the things that that this is an illustration. It's not really one of those messages, but is is the idea that you know I I have the power to conquer everything, to overcome everything. Well, I don't know anybody that's successful at that. I know a lot of people that talk like they are, but you know, really, what what's happened is that they inherited this covert message that, you know, I'm strong, you know, I'm strong, I'm stronger than everybody else. I'm I'm smarter than everybody else. And uh, I can use my strength and my, and my wits to to work out of any problem. And my illustration to that is, and I I think I even use it with you is, is, well, go out and lift up the building. You can, everybody else can. I mean, the perception is that I can, you know, that, that if I can't, then I'm going to go into less than. Okay. And, and so I have that, um, deceptive idea that I have to be able to do that. I have to control my environment. I have to control everybody in my environment. I have to, um, be smarter, better looking, you know, whatever it is, it's doing esteem type stuff uh, in order to have self-love and self-acceptance. And, um, and that implies, you know, that walled off perspective because, but, however, let me back up, but those messages are so strong that we think that that's true of everybody. And that, that's a deception too. Um, and you know, we see, you know, leaders in different aspects of, of our world and and well, they got that degree and they got this and they got that, or they've got this experience, or they're the you know, they're political leaders or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and they can do it. So why can't I do it? And, and so I go to...
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
1: or, or, you know, then, then I've, I've, I've really walled off from reality uh, because nobody can go over here and pick up this building. And yet that message, that implied message is often given to people. And that, that for me, in, in my history, that was one of my messages that, you know, as a young child, um, I remember my father um, acting out with my mother, he was he was yelling at her and I went, I yelled from my room, dad, stop it. And he did. And that started a role. I was 10 years old. I remember to this day, started a role that I had the power to, as a child, to stop somebody's rage. I had the power as a child to bring peace into the family. And, uh, and, and, and be a protector. And the reality is, I didn't. The reality is, yeah, he stopped for whatever reason, but, but the implied message that I could do that um, was false. I couldn't. And, um, and that was part of, you know, in, in my recovery process, of, of understanding that not only I couldn't, but I don't have to, yeah, you know, whether it's in your life or uh, people that come to see me, my only responsibility is to to be able to uh, see myself and be boundaried, um, and then that's, choose to love myself. That's
0: what you just said, that story, that example is exactly what I was looking for, because people can identify with that of, oh, how did I yell out and stop behaviors as a child from my parents? What, how did I gain power? Like there's a video, I have 23 minutes to forgiveness or something like that. Um, actually that's that video I sent you to go, Hey, can you check me here and make sure I'm, I'm, you know, working with her correctly, you know, and, Mm um, and, one of the false empowerments one of the ways she was in self-deception was her mother was an alcoholic and her whole childhood her was lost because she came became the mother for the whole family you know at a very young Mm -hmm. age cooking was and she as an adult saw those things as well but those are very good you know characteristics and and there's nothing you know, wrong with that. And I, and I was, and I had to impress upon her. There's no, you're right. It's very kind and loving, but it's not the responsibility of a child. That's where she right. was out of reality of, wait a minute. I'm like you falsely empowered. Of, no, I'm eight years old. It's perfectly fine for me to be able to feed the kids and take care of mom and pick her head up out of the bushes. Cause she's been, you know, she's passed out puking in it. That, that makes me righteous. Mm-hmm. Well, Okay, it's very kind and loving. I won't argue that. But my God, it's not your job. Well, that false empowerment, is, the victim and the victimization and false empowerment and how that, that as a child, how we have to in that moment make sense of a horrific situation just like yours. You're experiencing an abusive dynamic. Well, my life depends on these two people. I have to somehow reorganize this horrific event into something that's palatable, that makes it okay and makes and minimizes it. So it's not a big deal. Well, I'm gonna step up and go, stop dad. Oh, he did. Okay, well, it's not a big deal. Boom, done. But right. now I'm the master of the house or I have this ability to fix or change. And, and so people walk around in deception. They don't realize a subtle thing like that has been replaying. Now look in your marriage. You know, like this this woman, she mm-hmm. picked a man who was an alcoholic who didn't do anything. She was a mother to him. She replayed it. She's still angry and bitter at him. You know, and that's what the work was was walking her into the construct she had set up to create her false empowerment and disempowerment. It was a mix of both as both the victim and the falsely empowered to walk her into that self deception, how she was out of reality that she was reliving that trauma against herself and couldn't see it. But right. The second, it came clear to her. She's like, you know, I mean, it was a pretty powerful transformation for her that she had never been able to get to. And right. And And mostly she'd been to, you know, lots of therapy and lots of Big name people, but they don't deal with the self deception. Right, that's what I see mostly. Is people aren't helping people in that area. Has that been? Do you see the same thing? Um,
1: I, I have statements, but I'm not sure it's the answer to that question. So you, you can uh, make it the, either the way. End, end, all right. So let me let me just share what I'm thinking. You know, basically what you what you're talking about, you know, when I think about this in my own history, um, it was a lot easier for me to perceive reality uh, where I had some control over it. And so, you know, as a strategy... For-
0: if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care. A leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: For pain, it allowed me to stuff my pain. You know, I couldn't see it, really. You know, I, I could feel the anger I felt, you know, when uh things are out of control and and I would get angry to try to you know get them into control. But um it it was a and and this is this is true of the false empowered side that that it creates this denial about what's really happening. Okay. And so what happened to my fear? What happened to my pain? Well I stuff that and and, you know, took on this job of like, like I'm together or something, you know, and, and really some uh, pretty horrible situations uh, as a, ch- you know, for a child to be in and, you know, with, with, with adults around you that are out of control. And, um and, you know, what, uh, first of all, that, you know, that that's a, a, a false strategy to deal with your pain because you don't have any pain. You know, I, I told you that when the first time I did a PM Melody type uh, treatment thing, I had this long list of stuff and I looked, you know, if if I'd have read that from you, I'd have been going, oh my God. But I read it from me and I went, there's nothing wrong here. And until, you know, I went and did uh, that uh, workshop um, and I kept hearing my stories in other people. And when I heard that, I didn't have that defense. And I started feeling that pain. I started feeling that fear, and I started feeling, you know, that anxiety, and um, that that I wouldn't let myself. You know, it, it just got turned off, and um, and and I could see how um, that affected them, and then it and it made it okay for me to start seeing how that affected me, and and you know, the sad part of it is that there was a lot of sadness and there was a lot of pain that came up with that. I didn't even know it was there, except that, you know, if I got in a situation where I felt powerless, you know, I just turned on the anger. And, you know, I, I, I've told you the story, but this is an example of that, you know, I'm I'm driving out of 7-Eleven one, one night with my wife in the car. And, and this guy flips me off. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, did you see that? And I look back at him again, and he flips me off again. And I still don't know why he was doing that. But what did I do? I go into action. You know, I got to control this. You know, and so I throw, you know, the car and park. I get out of the car, and the guy's walk into the 7-Eleven, and, and he's bigger than I am, and I don't care. You know, I'm I'm big enough to handle the world, right? And and I said, Hey buddy, you know, why are you flipping me off? And he said, Oh, F you. And he turned around walked, walked and I kicked him in the butt and then he turned around and came at me. And I, I was, uh, involved with martial arts in the past and I put him on the ground and, and he was like, stop, stop. Well, I did. Thank goodness. He ended up calling the police on me and probably should have, um, but when I got in the car with my wife, reality hit. And she said, What were you doing? I mean, not only could you have been killed, I could have been killed. Mm-hmm. And that's when it hit me. You know, it's like, and in, in fact, you know, that was 40 years ago, <laughs> 30 years ago, wasn't 40, but it was 30 years ago. And that's when I went, wow, there's this whole part of me that there's something really wrong. And, and that was one of the things that took me to that workshop. Um, there were others, too. But that ended that for me because, you know, I came to grips with the pain that was behind that anger. And I would have never seen it yeah. because that message was was what you know kept me in denial, to use your your terms, and 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 kept me in deception about you know what was going on with me. Yeah, and
0: yeah. just huh? take that that just take that simple situation. Look at how many times it, road rage, those incidents happen, people flip each other off, have a fight, and it's yeah, all that was me. That was media. me in my twenties sure and but it's even now i mean people commenting on my post will you know pick fights or you know whatever and and that's what people don't realize right there all that rage that anger that's the self-deception that's the denial that's the inability like they don't see that and and i don't call them bad people we don't teach we don't teach that do you realize that that like you were unaware until that moment whoa I've got a problem here. Now, how did you become aware of a problem? Because you educated yourself on all this stuff that we don't teach. Right. And so everyone's suffering politically, socially, relationally, all these health, everything. Because as I call it, emotional mastery. If we may, if, you know, we're. I'm-
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. I mean,
0: a lot of this, look, you can't blame anybody. It's really, as I say, in the last 50 years, we're starting to talk about emotions. Is a, you know, for a species that's been around for millions, billions of years to be 50 years into it. Like, you know, that's why right. I said the, the next frontier is emotionally. It's not tech and all that's all silly. It's that the younger generation is starting, they don't have a leader yet to teach them how to deal with their emotions, but they want to. And they think it's great to deal with. You, you're seeing these athletes, they're quitting, going, hey, and I I wish they wouldn't call it mental health, because I don't think that's what it is. It's emotional health. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what the real term is. And that's a whole nother topic of how we don't, that's also denial and self-deception. We won't call things what they are, because emotionally, we don't have the development to recognize, oh, it's not a mental problem. It's an emotional problem. It's emotional health that is making us stressed anxious those are emotional issues those aren't mental problems but at any rate the the point is is much of our deception is because as a society we are so deceptive you know deceived as to what is really the source of the problem and so i don't you know that's why there's no blame in it um but we, if if you're lis- if you're still listening, then you get the choice, like you gave me, right? To choose if you want to be response able, you know, learn a response that gives you an ability to make a different choice, or choose to not take responsibility and play the victim or the falsely empowered,
1: right? Well, I want to go back to something, and it goes back to the tennis courts and the nets. Um, the person you described, uh, you know, I, I'm not that different than that person either. And and really, what we're doing is we're jumping over the net and we're going over and we're caretaking, and we get kudos for caretaking, you know. And that 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 seems, you know, like a positive thing. There's a radical difference between caretaking and caregiving. Mm
0: yeah love that
1: and 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 caregiving comes from me being on my side of the net yeah caretaking means i come over and i take care of you and i do you know get um you know a lot of positive messages for doing that and and for me that um that was really what you know i i basically became you know the way i avoided pain is i would caretake instead of you know and I, I wouldn't care take me I'd care take you yeah. and when I began to heal I know not only could give you care which which implies that you have the abilities to 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 give yourself care and I had the ability to do that for myself as well and um and so that brought me in my head to that needless and wantless thing. You know, uh, like in my family, what, what I saw is if anybody uh, expressed vulnerability, you know, no one did that. Um, and if they did, they, got, they, you know, somebody would get hurt typically, or that was my impression. And so, you know, I was kind of proud of the fact that I didn't have needs and wants that I could take it. Yeah. Now that's, again, that's an implied message. I can take, well, that's a message for men in particular. I, I I do believe now I'm not, you know, I've always said when it comes to self-care, the worst woman female is better than the best guy typically because the, they are empowered more than we are. Not, not everyone, but most are. Uh, but men, we aren't, and so what do we do? We get busy, we get doing things, and we we don't even recognize our needs unless it comes. You know, uh, uh, what I hear all the time is you know sex, 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 sex. You know, and uh, but but you know it's it's creating this image that I'm impenetrable. And that I don't have needs and wants, and I can do anything, I can do everything, which is very narcissistic. You know, it's not real. It's it's you know again, it's living behind the wall, it's living deception. And but for me, when I saw someone have a need, even if it was a healthy person, I saw it way over on the other side as being needy, and needy people get hurt and so it's better for me to be needless and wantless and I I even as a therapist I used to make up that 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 whole thing was better than being need you know needy and and it's not it it, it may have the appearance that it's better but it's not because again who gets lost in the mix? And when that happens, um, you know, I'm living in a false realm. I love how you, the
0: the power of words, caretaking versus caretaking. They're giving, right? You see, the people pleasers are takers, but they're behind. They're deceived. Oh, I'm so nice, you know. Who was it? Bradshaw, I think, talks about killing with kindness, and you know (laughs) that there's a deceit to it, and there's a, a, a twisted, sadistic nature to it. Of I'm so nice, and my mom was that way. My mom would kill you with kindness. And, and I always felt like, God, when she'd get really nice, it felt like something was being taken from me. And that's that sadistic quality of those people that are so nice. There's a taking to it. They're trying to caretake you, but that's why I love that word. It's It looks like I'm giving you care, but really what I'm doing is I'm in deception that I'm taking from you. I want power. I want to be your savior. I also want credit. And how I don't take care of me, how I do so much for you, like there's all these, you know, s- covert messages and covert processes wrapped up in caretaking versus caregiving. And, you know, that's what I had to learn was I I, I was a master caretaker and was taking I never talk about self deception. So, I have a whole chapter in my book, The Day I Saw My Darkness, <laughs> when I realized how evil my caretaking was. And that, and it's still hard, like I'm feeling the emotion come up to admit that truth that my niceness wasn't nice. and and I and i'm sad about that i'm sad at the pain i inflicted on myself and others because that's what we don't get that boomerangs back because we lose relationship when we're caretaking people push us away or they feel the manipulation the relationship is not possible because it's you know it's your tennis court analogy it's you know you're on the wrong side of the net there's no separation right. there's relationship must have a boundary for relationship to exist it's not a, a walled off or consumptive all on one side and so that emotion is, isn't just for the hurt I caused others it's the hurt I caused myself because I can't have relationship when I'm taking as I give care to you, so caregiving, as you pointed out, that's not always about you. No, that's me. Ta- that's me also going learning. You know, you taught me that with um, Arlie, and you know when I first dating her, that a lot of her behaviors didn't work for me, and I could give to both of us by setting by staying on my side of the tennis court i didn't change her or tell her what to do but i had to learn how to go oh yeah that just doesn't work for me you know you get to i'm not it's your life but i'm just staying over here on my side and i'm not going to participate in that and that was giving to me i no longer felt powerless i didn't feel needy i didn't feel all of a sudden i didn't my my drive for sex went down because i was caring for myself It didn't get displaced into, you know, and that can people will use working out animals, sex, food, success, success, all these different things versus wait a minute, I just need connection with me, I need to give care to me. And now I need now I don't need now I don't even care what's going on on your side of the net, you know. I'm not so hyper vigilant um, as to. Yeah,
1: and I I think you're overstating that a little bit because I think you do care about what I mean. That's the whole thing. Is wrong choice of words. You're right. Thank you. You you can care, um, but you don't have to. You know, you said it, it. You know what I was thinking. At least nailed it on the head. Was you know caretaking is about manipulation. You know, it's manipulating the environment so that I can be comfortable. And, and also so I can be a hero. So I get kudos for that. But, but it it really isn't about giving care. It's about manipulating the, either the person or the environment so that I can feel safe in a false way. And it's not real. And men really struggle with this, you know, you know, most, I mean, I, I get it. Most men just don't want to face that they do have needs and wants they don't want to face that they have pain inside because they spend their lives and and that's how we're we're taught you know don't feel you know the only only appropriate emotion for a man growing up is it's okay to be angry unless you're causing trouble for your mom but (laughs) but or you know your teacher but but you know men are empowered that way um, and and we're not you know so we spend a life building this whole thing of you know this image that we think we're supposed to uphold and then we get in a relationship with a woman and uh, she she wants to know us and and we we don't even know us. And, you know, she she wants to have relationship and she wants to share and she wants to, you know, you to share your dreams and, and, and you build something together. Well, well, some men, that's, that's impossible. I mean, they think it's impossible uh, because, you know, it, the deception is, I'll give you that impression because I need you for that, for that right now. But the reality of, you know, being in that place of vulnerability where we're sharing our dreams together and sharing our goals and our life things together, um, that's too much for most guys, or it feels like it is. And they don't want to feel that. They don't want to feel that I I don't have control over this situation. And so what do they do? They go to work, Or they go find somebody else who will allow them to uh, have the facade um, and what happens in the relationships with their kids and with their wife. And, you know, I know you wanted to do that different and I, I certainly wanted to do that different. You know, that, It was a big thing for me that I wanted my kids to be able to grow up, first of all, in an environment where they were safe um, at home, but but also where they could be known and they could they could have differences and they, you know, they could uh, develop their own personhood And, and. And that's not possible without two parents who, who are working on growing and changing and, and
0: maturing. Uh, well, that concludes episode two of this three-part series on self-deception. When we move into episode three, we're going to talk about how to know if you're self-deceived. As you could see, the conversation started to move towards the roots of self-deception, which is childhood. It's the parenting we receive, and that's the most difficult piece of self-deception we don't want to admit that there might have been difficulties or imperfections in our childhood or that our parents there's a real wall around that and that's at the crux of the issue is learning how to break down that wall and get into truth our parents adored us they loved us perfectly but they are human and they are imperfect and those imperfections have created this whole dynamic. And they are not to blame, it's it's part of being human. And they were raised by perfectly imperfect parents. But because as a society, we don't really challenge this and take this on, that's the cause of our struggles. So again, I encourage you to tune in uh, to the next episode. As you recall, I post Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday So make sure you tune in to the next episode of this, and it's titled How to Know if You're Deceived, and in the meantime, please share this with those if you feel that somebody could gain value from maybe they're in self-deception and don't
1: realize how it works. Please share with them, and as always, enjoy the journey.